Welcome to the Not Tonight podcast, where we have bold conversations about sex and intimacy in marriage. I'm Rachel. And I'm Caitlin. And we are two married women who believe that telling the truth about sex leads to connection, joy, and freedom. In each episode, we will elevate stories of women discovering their most authentic self by doing the work in their own sex lives. Join us as we hear from incredible women just like you who are discovering that the path to healing begins in the bedroom. Welcome back to the Not Tonight podcast season three. We are here today with Abby. She is a content creator and she specializes in motherhood and equalizing domestic labor, which I cannot wait to hear more about that. (laughs) Thank you for being here, Abby. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Mm -hmm. Oh man, Abby, I cannot wait to dive in today. I would love to hear first thing a little more about you. Can you tell our listeners where you're located in the world and maybe a little about your family? Um, So we are in um, Kansas, and um, I've got two little boys that are um, five and eight. Mm -hmm. I swear, having an eight-year-old is more like having a 16-year-old than I (laughs) (laughs) I was not prepared for the jump from like young young child to immediate teenager. (laughs) Yeah, so I've been creating content for four or five years now. Um, Started off as like your typical mommy influencer, which mm. um, realized was not actually me at all. Mm. Um, and started doing TikTok in 2020 when I think the rest of the world uh, joined <laughs> <laughs> and uh, probably started taking it seriously a couple months, a couple months later and have just been creating content since three years ago, pretty much. <laughs> well, I got to laugh too, because Caitlin and I both have seven-year-old boys And so we can relate to Mm -hmm. (laughs) the instant attitude and like change in just personality that happens when they're in elementary school. It's different. (laughs) So interesting to just one day be like, like my sweet little, you know, firstborn is like, (laughs) no, like, no, mom, I'm not going to do that. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, what is (laughs) Where is this coming? But then also just like his mannerisms. He's always like mm. gritty and he's like, oh, mom. Like, I'm like, bro, bro. <laughs> oh my gosh. Mine started with a bro too all of a sudden. I'm like, where's this coming from? <laughs> like, to be fair, like I've always called them, like we do this stupid little thing where I will be like, come on, bro, Tato Chip. Like, come on, bro, Namath, bro, Montana, <laughs> Roosevelt. Like we just like throw them out there. So my kids have like grown up saying that kind of stuff to me, but now it's just like, bruh. And I'm like, I was not ready for this. <laughs> when bro goes to bruh, everything yeah. changes. <laughs> like <it's good. laughs> oh, that's amazing. I love that so much. Yeah. Uh, so you have been creating content. I think it started more as mom related content. So when was the shift for you toward the more like domestic labor sort of content? When did that shift happen and why was that important for you? It happened. I was, I had like just started going to therapy in like the summer (laughs) of 2021. And I was talking to my therapist about how I was struggling. Like I felt like I was doing everything, which is not typical for my husband and I, but like in that moment, I was just, it was the end of summer. Mm -hmm. I was reaching like my absolute boiling point with everything. And she was like, I want you to read this book called Fair Play. Mm. Um, And then 
let's talk about it. And I read it and I was like, oh my God, (laughs) 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 this is the answer that most women have been looking for. Mm. And it was like such a tangible, cause like I would talk about how like my husband and I split nights doing dinner and we split nights taking the kids to bed and we split laundry. And Mm -hmm. like, we didn't have like, it was just like this kind of system that we had just gotten down to. And anytime I would talk about it, women would be like, what do you mean your husband cooks dinner? What do you mean your husband puts the kids to bed? And I was like, this is not an isolated incident. Like Hmm. everybody, Hmm. like, I don't understand this. And I was Hmm. like, this is a very real issue. And this fair play method is a very tangible implementation that could be done. And I was just like, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with Eve. I fell in love with everything I learned. And it's just kind of expanded my view. And I felt like I was growing out of like my initial influencer phase. Mm. Like my kids were in school. I was like finding myself again. You know, I wasn't just mom. And so I was like, okay, this is a good time for me to like leave my first brand that I started as a mommy influencer and like really find something I think that is like making a tangible difference Mm. in the world. Mm. That's beautiful. And I love that it kind of came at the end of summer. Like that's when it started swelling up. Cause did I hear you say that you felt like things were pretty split before this? And then it just started, the tension was building and you needed a new way. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah. I would work from home. And even though we would have like a nanny, like most of the days here with them watching, it was still like constantly there and they would still come up here and mom Mm. and I need this. And it was just like, everybody was at their wits end. It was the end of the summer. Like, break. you knew it was coming. Everybody was ready to just go to war. And I was, (laughs) I was in it with them. And so it just felt like everything was coming to a head. (laughs) Can I just say that we are recording this episode right now at the beginning of the school year. Before we started, we were just saying, oh, our kids just went back. All of us within the last two weeks, I still have one starting next week. And I feel what you're saying so deeply to my core right now. I (laughs) am so like, I need space and time or I'm just not going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think I come from a relationship that we've done a ton of work in this splitting of domestic labor. I've done a ton of work in getting my needs met and I've done it and I still feel that so strongly in my soul at the moment. Yeah. 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 I think I even went and got like a hotel room by myself, which like mm. I've done I've done previously so that wasn't like anything new for my family, but I was like I have to do this because <laughs> I need my sanity. Sanity. Yes. (laughs) So I completely relate to this too, Abby, because I feel like, yes, we are at the end of summer. My kids just started school yesterday and I was definitely feeling a little more agitated throughout August and just feeling like things aren't being split the way I want them to. I don't know. I just like this low lying tension that Like you said, like Caitlin said, it's not necessarily normal for our home dynamic. And I'm like, what is it? Like, why, why am I feeling so angsty right now? But I am so glad to hear this is sounding like a little bit of a universal experience that like you spend a couple of months together as a family doing everything together all the time. And it's easy for that resentment to start creeping in and for things to not feel right and for that change to happen. And I am pleased to say I was terrified of the summer ending because I had like the most fun summer ever. And so it's like, I don't want it to end. But now that we are just approaching the school year now and getting started, I'm like, oh, actually, I really needed this. So yay. (laughs) (laughs) 
But anyway, I just appreciate you sharing that. It just makes me feel a lot less alone in that just end of summer experience. So yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Abby, can we back up a little bit? I, I love that we kind of like got this little view of where you are now, but I'd love to go back and kind of walk down memory lane, talk about your history a little bit and what brought you to where you are now. Um, so let's go back. Let's talk a little about Abby and her family of origin. What was it like growing up? What was the dynamic like between your parents? Did you grow up with two parents in the home? And what did, what was that like when it came to domestic labor and, you know, the dynamics of their relationship? Yeah. So I did. Um, my parents uh, are still together. I grew up with them, um, both in the house, but very traditional. My dad worked, my mom stayed home. Mm. And as a kid, I remember that like being okay. Like when we were still in school and like, like adolescent age, um, where my mom was still like heavily involved in school stuff. But I mean, she did, she did everything. Like I love my dad, but the man never took me to a doctor's appointment. You know, those kinds of things. It was very not shared. Like he, he worked a lot. He was a construction worker, like worked really long hours for himself. Um, so my mom was left doing, you know, all of it. And it was really probably the best example of what I didn't want. Hmm. And like, that's hard to like tell your parents, like, thank you for showing me exactly what I don't want in a marriage. (laughs) Um, But it, it was that perfect example. And before my marriage, I was in a, you know, a five and a half year long relationship where I had moved in with somebody and among other things, realized that this um, was very skewed. Like we were both going to school, we were both working, but like, I was still like doing the majority of it. So I was very much like that ended. And I was like, this is what I will and will not accept. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. It's interesting when we all of a sudden see our story, like our origin story reflected in what's presently happening and how amazing it was for you to be able to see that so clearly in that relationship. So what about your mom in this circumstance? Was she somebody who was happy with this arrangement? Did you sense any sort of emotional response to the way things were split up in the home? You know, as you get older, you get more attuned to your parents and you get closer with them and you get more aware of like the things that you were naive to as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, it becomes much more apparent as you get older mm-hmm. and you're just aware of those things. You've gone through similar things yourself. So it, what seemed fine, like as a child, I realized as I got older, it was not fine. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of resentment. There was a lot of, I think, just misunderstanding on both parts. Mm-hmm. And so it was, yeah, it seemed tolerable at first, like when we were still uh, in school and mm-hmm. needed in that way. But as we got older, that dynamic definitely changed and shifted. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Did you pick up on this affecting their connection and relationship in any way? Yeah, just yeah. a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, very, very much. So what did you learn, whether cognitively or subliminally, about <laughs> sex and connection through your parents? Uh, how do I want to say this? <laughs> um, I had a very open relationship with my mom and my dad. Um, so was pretty aware of how directly it impacted that. Um, and I mean, it was it, looking back now as an adult, it's, it's very easy to see, like, 
I'm tired of doing everything on my own and I'm tired of being the one always providing and never feeling appreciated and like just a clear misunderstanding of the roles and and how everybody was feeling impacted, you know, their marriage and um, their sex life. And, you know, we see it a lot. We've seen it in multiple articles and reports. People have healthier sex lives when domestic labor is equalized. Yes. It just is what it is. Like, (laughs) and it, Probably, I feel like a lot of it's because there's that resentment there, um, mm-hmm. probably on both ends. But you know, yeah, it, it's it's a direct it's a direct impact. Yeah, yeah, that just it's just makes so much sense. It's if, if you're feeling resentful, if your needs are not being met, if you're exhausted, of course, of course, you're not going to be wanting to show up. Of course, you're not going to be wanting to connect in the same way. Like, I've never really thought directly about this connection between the two, but it seems like honestly the most obvious thing in the world, but I think still a lot of people are probably missing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of women, you know, we hear a lot of women say, I feel like I'm taking care of another child or I have to view you as another person. I have to manage like I do our children in their schedule and caring for them. That's really not a turn on that doesn't really, you know, waken me up sexually here. Right. It's, it's very much like, it's exhausting and I'm giving my energy to everybody else and everything else. Then here you come in completely oblivious to my state of mind, my being, and you're just trying to get laid. And I'm like, you know, women are just like, no, yeah. how are you so blind that you mm-hmm. one can't like pull my energy mm-hmm. and to understand the dynamic of what's going here? Like read the room. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Hundred percent. You know, I something's calling to my mind right now. How many times have we heard of sex as referred to taking care of my oh. husband or my man or my partner? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. Oh, visceral reaction to that. Yep. Like we literally just need to say giving him an orgasm. Like that's what it is. It's. Knocking it off your to-do list. Right. Mm. But like calling it taking care of, like, no, like it is, it's another, it's infantilizing their needs and desires and making it so like carnal. I don't know. I just, it's, it's furthering. It's very like rooted in like Christianity. Oh yeah. Religious (laughs) purity culture. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, you have to serve your husband. You have to, you know take care of him. Oh yeah. Did you grow up with any of those messages in your sphere? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Not so much that like, it's like your wifely duty kind of thing, mm. but more so in ways like, like things will be better if I just do it. So it was very much like, I don't want to say like in a, a like a coercive way, like you have to do this because it's your wifely duty, but like it's just something that like you kind of have to do because it's just kind of like what you do and it makes everybody happier and it makes everything better. Mm. It's just, it's making me sad to think about it, but it's just, it's so common reality. Like when you think mm-hmm. about it, like all the roles and responsibilities and to add sex to that list of responsibilities, of course, women are not desiring it. Like, of course, if it's on our to-do list, it's it's not going to be like, oh, yes, this is so great. Like, it's cool. just when you take a step back and look at it all big picture from this, like, oh, it's so frustrating that that's the system that's essentially been set up in the message that so many people have gotten. It's, it's so sad. Yeah. Well, that, and it's so much like it, 
it has nothing to do about what you as the woman want. What are your needs? What are your wants? How do we please you? Like, how do we make sure that like, you're not just taking care of him, but like you're getting taken care of, um, which, you know, is harder for a lot of women. So, and, and a lot of men don't know how to do that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And so we're just like left here hanging and it's all about his pleasure. And right. that sucks. Right. Cause it, and then we get this bad rap of like, well, women just don't like sex. And that's not true. Women like good sex, <laughs> like mm-hmm. everybody else. <laughs> women want to be treated, um, you know, in that way. And it's really, yeah, it's an unfortunate thing that ends up happening like at our cost. <laughs> yes. Completely unfair. Um, So Abby, could you share with us a little bit about your formative years of relationships? So what happened when you internalized these messages about, like you said, not necessarily the duty of sex, but that things just go better when you quote unquote, take care of him? Um, What did that do for your relationships in your young years? In my young years, I mean, it was very much like you can use sexes uh, to your advantage that's kind of all you have as a woman, really. Mm -hmm. This is your power. Um, Use it wisely. (laughs) And I mean, it wasn't really, I think, until I got older when I realized how um, detrimental it was. um, Mm -hmm. And it was incredibly harmful to me um, Mm -hmm. in my previous relationship where, you know, it was weaponized against me Mm -hmm. and um, created a lot of of mental health issues for me. So mm. um, definitely happened for me more as I, as I was older. Mm. Would you be comfortable sharing a little more about that first relationship? What some of those dynamics were like? Yeah. I started having um, painful intercourse mm. and I mean, I went, I was 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> yeah. I went to public floor therapy. I went to my OB's office and it was all these different things that it wasn't. Mm. And what was really happening was then because I was unable to do it, I was getting it used against me and weaponized against me. And mm-hmm. you're never going to find anybody else. Nobody else is going to put up with this. Um, you're lucky I haven't cheated on you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the same old rhetoric that that we hear a lot. And that did, that did a number on me. <laughs> um, Especially when I didn't, like, I was so young. I was in college. Like, I still didn't really know how negatively it would affect me, like, into my next relationships. What um, turned out to be wrong was just him. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was just, it was literally like my body was having a reaction that was like, this is not the person you should be doing this with. Stop trying to force it. Because as soon as I did, everything was fine and dandy. (laughs) After, like, years of doctor's appointments and medicines and... So your body is really always trying to tell you something and you should listen to it more often. (laughs) Wow. That is extremely profound. When you first started this relationship with this person, were you experiencing painful sex or did that come on over time? No. I mean, I was, I was in, I was in high school. This was my high school sweetheart. So no, everything Mm -hmm. was, everything was fine until I probably got into college. Um, Mm -hmm. And then it was it was not fine. And it was probably because there was a pattern of like, this actually isn't a healthy relationship for you. And you're not hearing mm-hmm. and like having the healthy relationship that you should be having and your body is, is going to react to that. Um, and that's what was happening. Wow. Yeah, I was curious what that shift was for you in in that relationship. And sounds like your body just decided, nope, nope, this isn't wise. Yeah. This isn't healthy. This isn't good. We talk a lot in this podcast about 
listening to our bodies because I think that it's something that we aren't taught how to do. I mean, I still am not well-practiced at it because I didn't grow up listening to my body. And so Mm -hmm. how, how did it feel when you recognized it was your body that was speaking to you? It was so freeing (laughs) um, to know that there was not actually something wrong with me, Mm. you know, even though I'd been told that for years, um, that I wasn't worthy of love, that I wasn't worthy of somebody else, Mm. um, to know that I I wasn't going crazy. It wasn't, Mm. there was something that was happening and it went on for too long before I actually started listening. (laughs) Mm. Mm -hmm. It's so wild how our body knows. And yeah, we've been taught to ignore and the problem is us. It's such just like societal gaslighting Mm -hmm. (laughs) instead of listening to the women, listening to their needs, listening to all that. Like, and we weren't trained. You're like Rachel just said, it's, it's not something that we're taught. And so Mm -hmm. now luckily people are figuring it out, but we still have just so far to go in, in everybody. Yeah. Understanding that the impact, the physical impact that all these mental and emotional things have on us. It's really profound. Hmm. Yeah. Can I ask what caused you to listen to your body? Hmm. Did did you end up breaking it off with this guy? I did. Hmm. Yeah, I did finally. I mean it was one of those things where like it was it was a toxic relationship. So it went over and over of okay, we're we're gonna take a break. We're not gonna do this anymore. And you know, when you've been told for so long that like, nobody's going to want you, you're never going to find somebody else. And also that you're pretty much worthless as a woman, if you don't marry somebody and bear them children. Um, Mm -hmm. So all of that kind of combined kept me there for much longer than it should have until Mm -hmm. I finally just um, got the courage and was like, I can't do this anymore. Like enough is enough. Mm -hmm. Um, It was really negatively affecting my mental health. Mm -hmm. And um, was like, I have to, I have to get out of here if I want to stay healthy and, mm-hmm. um, you know, have some sort of semblance of, of normalcy in, a, in the next relationship. And finally just literally picked up, like let <laughs> grab my dogs and left and was like, I'm going to come get my stuff. Please don't be there. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was kind of that. It's always amazing to hear like, what is that final straw? What is that moment for someone? Cause when you've been stuck in a pattern for so long and going in circles, you know, I'm always curious, what is it going to be that dislodges that circular pattern? Because mm-hmm. so many women can get stuck in circles like that for a long, long time. And I think it's different for everybody when that moment is to jump off the ship. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious how this conversation of domestic labor and feminism and equality played into this previous relationship and what you notice now about that, because you didn't have kids at that time. And I think oftentimes the domestic labor conversation is around motherhood and children. But what did you notice in this relationship where kids weren't part of the picture about those factors? It was clear, like, even I thought I wanted to take on a more traditional role. Even I thought I wanted Mm -hmm. to be a stay-at-home mom. Um, mm-hmm. And we had talked about being married and having kids and mm-hmm. um, so we had taken on, it was very much like he was going to go and do whatever he wanted. And I was left to, you know, take care of things and, you know, clean and cook and, and those types of things. And it was very much just like, I was supposed to be okay with that. And mm-hmm. this, this is not okay. <laughs> mm. Did you feel that in the moment? 
that wasn't okay? Or were you okay with that? No, I mean, I was probably okay with it for longer than I should have been. Hmm. Um, mostly because we thought that that was normal. Like that right. is what is expected. That's, you know, that's just what happens in, mm-hmm. in marriages and you actually end up hating each other. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's fine. You'll get there. And it's just such this odd thing of like, yeah, it's normal to dislike your, your partner after X, Y, Z years together. Hmm. Really, it's not. <laughs> it's not at all. Right. But you're right. That is the message we get. Like marriage. Yes. Oh, you you just argue. It's where sex goes to die. Just like, yeah, this is just normal. And this is how it is that we've been bombarded with that message over and over. So yeah, mm-hmm. lots of people think that's just, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I was literally having this conversation with my husband a couple days ago. Like we've been together for over 15 years now total. And we'll say to each other every once in a while, like, I, I'm so excited and overjoyed that I still like you like after this amount of time because yes. it's not the expectation even when you like, yeah, you go into a relationship hoping it lasts forever, but you're not taught or given any sort of understanding that you could like each other for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. We like, we just celebrated our 10 year anniversary and we went mm. to Granada and we got we got pictures taken while we were there because it was like part of what they offered. Um, and we were like making our book at like before we left for our trip. And they were like, what do you want like the title of your book to say? And we decided on 10 years and still obsessed. Aww, because it was just, <laughs> I mean, we like, that's just, that's still how I feel about my husband. And that's how he feels about me. And we're very vocal about that. And it's just like, not what I was, not what I was taught, not what I grew up seeing, not what I grew up yeah. hearing. It was very much like, you know, you told people like, oh, I've been married three years. And they're like, oh, give it time. We're going to hate each other. Right. And it's like, mm-hmm. what is wrong with you people? <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. Yes. It's so sad. I feel like what it's doing is trying to make everyone else feel better for having bad marriages. It is misery loves company. Yes. But it doesn't have to be that way no no it's a very strange thing yeah it's a not helpful message because a lot of times that continuing to like and enjoy each other takes a lot of work and people might just not be putting in that work because it's Mm -hmm. just like well this is just how it is and you just accept it instead of like working towards that beautiful relationship that can be there if you put in the effort yeah Yeah, and it teaches women to to have such low expectations like, well, yes. this is just how this is, we hear it all the time. That's just how men are. That's just how husbands are. Like, that's just what happens after you get married and have kids. Mm-hmm. And we're mm-hmm. just supposed to be like, okay, like take it on the chin, like right. just accept it and, and move mm-hmm. on with your life that you don't deserve all the happiness in the world and, right. and a partner that you love and, and, you know, want to be intimate with. It's mm-hmm. such an unfortunate message that girls and women hear from a very young mm-hmm. age. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder why so many of us still got married, like hearing that message, like, honestly, because <laughs> there's this, I feel like there's this dichotomy of like, yeah, this is what happens, but this is also the key to a normal and happy life. Like what? <laughs> how, how is that coexisting in our brains so logically yeah. from a young yeah. age? I don't know. I'm just, I feel like in this moment, I'm grappling with these very opposite messages that are very normal to receive at the same time. Yeah. 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 And I don't, I don't know. I wonder that too. I think that's probably why a lot more women now though are staying single. Like yeah. you said, like 
been married 15 years. I've been married 10 years. Caitlin, I don't know about you, but like, but now we see women today and they're like, nope, couldn't mm-hmm. be me. Like, I'm not going to get married. Right. And I think it's because we're seeing like, we're talking about those things and we're talking about how those are crappy expectations to have. And you deserve to have higher standards of your, you know, life partner and how you want that relationship to go. And I think women are finally just like, grasping that and being like, you're right. Like, I'm not here to settle. Like, I don't have to get married. That doesn't, you know, equate to my worth. I don't have to have kids to be fulfilled and Mm -hmm. lead a happy life. And I think women are finally, finally realizing that. Yeah. So how about you, Abby, when you met your husband and became obsessed with him, which I just love, um, (laughs) and you equally were obsessed with each other, were you still holding those messages that like you should get married, you should have kids. Yes, 100%. And so you still held those shoulds, but Mm -hmm. this was a healthier relationship. So what was the difference then if you were still holding those messages with this man versus the other one? I think my husband was just complete opposite, night and day. Mm -hmm. Um, From the very beginning, he was emotionally intelligent. He was empathetic. He was mature. He was driven. He had a career. He genuinely like cared about me Mm -hmm. from a very like we weren't together very long at all um, before we moved in together and before we even got engaged. Just the way he treated me, and Mm -hmm. it was just a night and day difference. You just see like, wow, this is how it's supposed to work. Like Mm -hmm. I saw glimpses that when I was a kid, like, you know, those like core memories that you have, and they're usually like happy moments, like from your childhood, I remembered those like, when I was a child of my parents, and I was like, there it is. Mm -hmm. That's what this is supposed to look like. And so it was, it was just such a, such a clear cut difference for me. (laughs) I find that really fascinating, too, that you had those really positive memories from your growing up years that you wanted to replicate. And then there's these other things about your parents' dynamic that you did not want. Mm -hmm. And so you're able to take the positive and see it. I think that's so beautiful. And I think it's not easy to do because it's easier Mm -hmm. to paint our childhood or our growing up years as either positive or negative. And so being able to take both is just really cool. Yeah. And my husband and I talked, you know, early on of like our parents' marriages and And we both Mm -hmm. kind of felt the same way. Like when we were younger, like, yeah, we didn't know better. We just thought like this was it. And then we got older and we got more aware and we were like, wow, these are two examples of what we don't want. And we both kind Mm -hmm. of agreed on that. And we said from a really early start, like, we're not going to, we're not going to end up like that. That's not going to be us. Mm -hmm. Like we're here to do the work. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was, it was talked about, like Mm -hmm. we both recognize those things and we wanted to bring them to the table to make sure that this was a place that we would not allow ourselves to get to. So even in the midst of feeling these shoulds, you also had some very clear, like, I choose this and that. And there was like a mix of both. Yeah. Do you feel like your now husband held some of those shoulds as well about marriage and family? Oh, for sure. Yeah. He is. I mean, he's the, he's the baby boy in his family. So very much like yeah, you're going to be a great dad, you know, and even talking about kids, I remember like what we would do if we didn't, the career path we would have chosen if we didn't have kids or we didn't want kids, like what we would be doing. But it was very much like he always came back to that he wanted kids. Hmm. And so I think it's pushed on us in in different ways, but I think mm-hmm. it's still like 
at the root, like that's just what you do. You get married and you have kids mm-hmm. and there's no questions asked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm curious how sex changed for you since in this other relationship you referenced, that was a negative thing. And then you said things drastically changed and you realized that it wasn't you, it was him. <laughs> so did you notice that change with your husband or did you notice it in a different context? What was that like? Um, I think I noticed it with other guys I spent time with um, before my husband. I noticed that big change, but even more so like when I met him because he was just so unlike anybody I had ever met. Mm-hmm. Um, and it still took some things like having to work through. Mm-hmm. Um, it probably wasn't until like a year ago where I actually went to therapy for what I went through in college because oh, it was wow. still holding weight in my marriage. Mm-hmm. Um like, okay, I should probably tend to this and and mm-hmm. and work through it because it's still holding a place uh, in my life and in my marriage when it, yeah. it doesn't belong there. Yeah. So what were some of the things that were affecting your marriage? What were some of those things that you were holding on to? For me, it was the expectation of the frequency mm-hmm. of it happening. I just, you know, had I had this mental tally of like, okay, it's been X you know, X days. Um, I, I feel like I need to be taking care of things. Um, and that phrase again. <laughs> I need to be taking care of my husband because if I don't, he's going to leave me for somebody else. And mm-hmm. um, I'm lucky that he hasn't already cheated on me by now. All the things that like I had been told in my previous relationship were like stemming yeah. back up again. Mm. And even though my husband had never, you know, inadvertently made me feel like that, there are certain times where like, he would say something and I would be like, that made me feel like you're like, you expected me to do that. And he was like, that's not what I meant. And I was like, we just had a really real conversation and was like, I need to work through this. Like, these are some issues that are still coming up for me. And I went like, my therapist was just like, you just have to, you just have to ask your husband, what are your expectations for frequency? Mm-hmm. Um, just get it out there. And he was like, people don't believe me. Like men specifically don't believe me when I say this, but he was like, I don't have any expectations. Mm. He was like, it's not the, it's not the most important thing. You know, we, I love you for multiple other reasons than this. This is not the sole reason we're together. It's not the sole reason I love you. And, Mm -hmm. and we have, we have kids and a life and we're busy. And he's like, I'm not keeping track of those things. Mm. Um, Women, we fluctuate every week. Like, and then you add in like any other mental health issues you have and any medications that you're taking, which was a huge thing for me being on mm. antidepressants after kids. And it was like, it was, you know, every <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. like seasonally, like in the winter I have seasonal depression. And so it was just so reassuring to hear like, those things don't matter. Like mm-hmm. I'm not keeping track. I'm not holding it against you. Um, mm. It's not at the forefront of my mind. Mm-hmm. And that just took a weight off me that mm. I don't think I could ever put into words. <laughs> I love, like, you mentioned that he was emotionally intelligent, and that just sounds, like, really amazingly emotionally intelligent because a lot of men don't have that. They they were told the opposite, that there is an expectation for the wife to fulfill their needs. I'm air-quoting right now. Um, <laughs> their needs. But that's so amazing that he recognized, like, just how much there is to the relationship beyond that and that and to you as a person beyond that and to your connection beyond that. I just, I love mm-hmm. that about him already. <laughs> Sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. This also makes me think about how often we carry messages that we think our partners are also carrying that once we have the conversation, we may find, no, they're not carrying those messages. We're the Mm -hmm. ones who are carrying them. And it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with us or that we're broken, but it means that there is some honesty that could be exercised there. There could be some self-reflection and some communication that comes up, which is why in our corner of the internet, we talk a lot about how honesty is what actually leads to better sex. Because once you were able to have that conversation with him, that probably changed a lot for you too. (laughs) Yeah, it does. And and I think this is such an intimate thing. Like you have to, you have to trust this person and you have to feel safe with this person and trust that like you can have this open dialogue about wants and needs and desires and Mm -hmm. expectations and, and things like that. And if you're not, if you don't feel safe in expressing those things, that's going to be hugely detrimental, you know, to a lot of things. And uh, yeah, I feel like that's always glazed over. <laughs> Agreed. We spend a lot more time talking about what to do in the bedroom than how to talk yeah. about mm-hmm. sex in general. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love hearing about your conversation. I I relate a lot to it too because I tracked how often we had sex for a decade in our marriage. Mm-hmm. And it took me a long time to give that up because I too was – tallying like how often has it been did we have sex more times this month than the other month like how are we doing I had like a barometer for myself and oh my gosh like who is that helping (laughs) literally no one not (laughs) yeah especially when you have a husband or partner who is emotionally intelligent going it's not about the frequency because what are we actually talking about when we talk about frequency? We're talking about orgasm frequency. We're not talking yes. about connection frequency. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when it comes to connection frequency, my desires are way more frequent than orgasm yeah. frequency. Yes. So that to me, that whole concept changed the game for me because then I realized, oh, I can have high desire for connection and not have it to be all about orgasm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that like that emotional connection always gets like put, you know, to the back burner. Like there's such a such an emphasis on physical, sexual intimacy and not enough on, you know, the emotional intimacy and how if there's not the emotional intimacy for most women, there's not going to be the physical intimacy either. Mm -hmm. And it's like literally the sooner you realize that, like the better it's going to be for you Mm -hmm. just. Just trust all around that this is going to benefit everybody in this relationship. Yes. Even the partners who say that they don't need the emotional intimacy, I think there's a lot of unlearning to do in that department to better (laughs) self-assess. Yeah. I think men are taught, you know, like they, we, like we're taught it too, but like they take it more to heart. It's, it's men need this. Right. This is a primal instinct. This is. And nobody's ever like took a step back to be like, well, do I actually feel that way? Mm-hmm. And or is that just, like the toxic masculinity that we're teaching young boys is that like this is and if you don't feel this way, if you feel emotional or you're then you're feminine and, and you're, you know, a simp and X, Y, Z. And it's like Ugh. nobody just ever took a, like a moment to step back and be like, that's actually not how I feel. <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. go with this way instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We know there's a war on women. But there is also a war on men and their emotional 
intelligence, honestly. So, mm-hmm. yes, bad sex hurts everybody, not just women. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Abby, you mentioned that like a year ago, was it a year ago or two years ago that you started going to therapy and things kind of shifted for you? Probably about two years ago. Okay. Um, so, this was about the time when you had this conversation with your husband when things started adjusting in the bedroom and also in the emotional and like logistical labor of your home. How would you say the splitting of domestic tasks impacts the bedroom, like in a succinct manner? In the biggest way possible. Um, mm-hmm. I don't have to manage my husband in the same way that like I manage my kids. Mm-hmm. I feel loved. I feel appreciated. I feel um, like I have a partner who doesn't expect me to fulfill these traditional roles, who doesn't expect me to handle all the domestic labor, mm-hmm. um, who appreciates me and is vocal about that, who mm-hmm. I think a lot of the times when there's uh, an unequal divide in domestic labor and women are doing the majority of it, they're not feeling appreciated, mm-hmm. um, feeling expected. And that's a perfect place for resentment to grow. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I think it all starts honestly with resentment and everybody feels like this is a shit I do list. This is the shit you don't do list. Look at how uneven this is and look at how exhausted and burnt out I am from trying to carry that all on my own. Right. I'm curious about, you know, this split of domestic labor and something that I've just experienced and I've heard a lot of other women that I'm friends with talk about as well is you know, because we're becoming into a more of a modern age where it is a little bit more expected for men to do more around the house or something. So, for example, you know, when we first started having these, you know, after kids started having more of these conversations, there was some like he was so happy to like help. So he started with some like tasks uh, like I'll I'll help more with the dishes or more with bedtime or whatever. But over time, I was still feeling like but there's an emotional labor that I'm carrying as the mother in this situation. It, it's it's more than just the dishes. It's like caring about their their well being beyond the task list, and and that mm-hmm. took us a lot longer to kind of have those types of conversations. Is this something that you see and and are familiar with in this work that you do? Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. The, like the, the mental and emotional labor, I feel like moms specifically face with young children as we have to emotionally help them and regulate them and teach them. And I feel like so many of us millennials are going through therapy ourselves and we're realizing that we have to reparent ourselves. Mm -hmm. Like we have to do so much unlearning and reparenting of ourselves. And now we're also trying to do this with our kids. And I, like as much as everything should be as fair between, you know, mom and dad, for whatever reason, it's just so much more emotional labor for women as, as mothers, because society is still just feeding us all of the same messages. We're just working harder to like sift through them, but they're still there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's still, it's still so, so hard. Like I am still the preferred parent Mm-hmm. that probably will never change. And it doesn't matter how much equality we have or how much fairness or how much time my husband spends with our kids. Mm-hmm. I am the preferred parent. Mm-hmm. And that takes on its own emotional labor that I don't think many of us can verbally <laughs> explain. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, this is getting my wheels turning because I just, I have so many friends who don't work outside of the home. And so when you talk about splitting labor, I think of two working parents in some capacity, like then there's going to be a lot of equality in what's accomplished ideally, because you both have the same amount of time away from the home or away from domestic responsibilities, doing other things. I don't know if I'm saying this very well, but like, you know, it's just the time allocation is different than if you're home with your children primarily and not working. What does it look like to establish quote unquote fairness in emotional and logistical labor and load when there is one parent who is like their job, quote unquote, like they are not doing a job outside of homemaking? I think what fair looks like to one person is not going to be the same to the other. Like even as two, like even as two households with, you know, each one having a stay at home, you know, parent, they're still not going to be the same. I still think being a stay at home parent is a job. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a, mm-hmm. almost a three full-time, you know, job that mm-hmm. you, that you have to do. And it doesn't get looked at that way. It just right. gets looked at as like, I go outside of the home. I make the money. Mm-hmm. You handle literally everything else that has to do with our home and our children. Right. And like, what a nice break. Like, what a nice break <laughs> it is to just have to worry about bringing home a paycheck and literally be hands off with everything else. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. so unfair. And mm-hmm. there's something that like in the book Fair Play that Eve says, and it's like, an hour holding a hand in the doctor's office is equal to an hour in the boardroom. Mm. They are just as important. Um, they should be treated as such. And fairness, I mean, fairness doesn't doesn't look like 50-50 to everybody. Fairness, depending on your season of life, is going to look different. And, mm. and that's okay. It's about equal downtime and equal division of labor, how that works for your family. Mm-hmm. You know, there are things that you can still do um, at work that aren't a daily grind thing, like that aren't necessarily, you know, taking care of the baby and those kinds of things. If you're staying home and your spouse physically couldn't do that, there's still a ton mm-hmm. of things that they can do that they should do. And just because like you work outside of the home and you stay home doesn't mean that it's not important for that working parent to also take care of those, those shifts, whether that's taking the kids to the doctor or going to and planning and being a part of school parties and extracurricular activities. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, when does a stay-at-home parent get a day off? When do they get time off? When does their, mm-hmm. when does their shift end? Then it doesn't. Right. Mm-hmm. right. We don't get to just take a lunch. <laughs> mm-hmm. We don't get to have a 30-minute commute home where it's quiet and we get to decompress and we don't get to go outside and have lunch with our friends and socialize with coworkers. We're isolated at home with these tiny mm-hmm. people that don't speak our language <laughs> that we have to mm-hmm. be emotionally, you know, in charge of day in and day out. And, mm-hmm. and that's, yeah, there's a lot of mm-hmm. unfairness there. Yeah. I am personally someone, I did eight years full-time stay at home. And fortunately, I was in one of those relationships where my husband fully acknowledged. He always said, your gig is harder than mine. Like my days at work are easier than my days when I'm home with the kids. And that was when I was here helping him instead of solo. So Mm -hmm. for for him, like just to acknowledge that was so emotional Mm -hmm. and 
something that helped us navigate those. My kids are finally getting a little bit older, so it feels less heavy. But when it was really deep, something that he always did was just like, make sure, like, what do you need? That's what he would come home and ask Mm. me because he knew I was there the three little ones, the day, hour upon hour. And Mm -hmm. he was, it was just everything to me at that time. Mm -hmm. What do you need? And I would, you know, I was, I would have guilt about that. I was like, oh, you were at the hospital. And, And even I had these messages. You have the, again, air quotes, important job. And I had to sort through that to be like, he's right. I, I do need this. I need the break. I need time. I need space. I'm not going to make it through this stay at home gig. Mm -hmm. It it was a lot of hard years. And Mm -hmm. my kids were home with me all summer this past summer, no childcare. And my gosh, I am like, I'm like, how did I do that for so long? (laughs) It is so hard. It is so hard. So I Mm -hmm. just appreciate everything you're saying and that acknowledgement Mm -hmm. of like, it is work hard work Mm -hmm. it's incredibly hard and even like when the times because i i stay at home and work so i tend to be the more flexible parent with timing so the kids have off like a long weekend it's me being the one staying home and handling it and so if i've got like a thursday friday where they've both been home with me like the first thing my husband does friday when he gets home is he's like all right kids we're going you know we're going to go out we're going to go do something or the next day he'll take Mm -hmm. them out day and and it's just an automatic thing. Like you've been home. It's just assumed that I'm going to come home and get these kids out of here so you can relax. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's this unspoken thing now that that mm-hmm. just happens. <laughs> mm. That's awesome. that a great rhythm. I love that. I think it's a, it's more common. I'd say to say, okay, I've got the kids. You can go and do something on your own. But I think oftentimes what I need is for them to all leave and like, just leave me in my house by myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah that's, that's it's like when best. you say like yeah no let mom sleep in but then the kids are downstairs screaming and fighting and mom's out not actually getting any rest right. like my husband always like taking the kids to mcdonald's taking the kids to starbucks to the park like yeah. when yeah. i say i want to sleep in i mean get out of my house yes. <laughs> yes. i need to be alone i don't need to overstimulate myself trying mm-hmm. to go to a coffee shop like mm-hmm. i want to sit here on my couch and veg out and be left alone and quiet mm-hmm. yes Yes. Oh my goodness. Okay. So what I'm hearing, like big summation of things here is that fairness is dependent on the person and the couple and the situation. And I think that what I'm hearing is that fairness is signaled by resentment. And I'd say this is where we can kind of tie it together with your experiences and others' experiences in the bedroom is that If you're feeling resentment in either the splitting of domestic labor or the amount of your voice in the bedroom, that's a moment to reconsider the balance of what's going on and make some adjustments. Does that feel fair? Yeah. I feel like Mm -hmm. resentment is a powerful notification in our bodies (laughs) as to what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, I, I love how much you have noticed that for yourself and taken actions that are really specific to nourish yourself. And I think it's so beautiful that you're encouraging others to do the same because we need as many voices out there communicating this because it is not common. This is swimming upstream. Yeah. 
I think just like expressing your expectations in like all areas, like the mm-hmm. littlest areas, like it's just like for the weekend, like I always ask my husband, like Friday, like, what are your plans tomorrow? Like, what are you doing? What are you expecting? You know, do you have a haircut? Are you going to mow the lawn? Like, do I need to take the kids? Are we, you know, what are mm-hmm. we doing? Like, I'm like the next day it gets here and he's, you know, out doing stuff. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, I wanted a second to sit down and like, I wanted to be left alone. And where's my alone time? Because we haven't expressed those expectations of what we actually wanted Mm -hmm. and what we didn't want on a subject, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that those little unexpressed expectations can grow resentment really quick. And then that affects everything else. (laughs) Yeah. So Abby, this is amazing. I just, I have so much to think about after hearing everything you're saying. I know, like, I haven't read Fair Play myself, but I know it's something that, like, really belongs on my nightstand. So (laughs) this is giving me that (laughs) kick in the pants to get it. Um, So for all of you who this is resonating with, like, Fair Play is a great place to start. So thank you for sharing all of that, Abby. And so we have one final question for you. What would you say to your younger self with the knowledge you now have. Let's go back to that previous relationship that you were in and you were on that spinning wheel for a long time. What would you say to her now that you are in the place you're in? Ooh, it's <laughs> deep. <laughs> I feel like I'm talking to my therapist, like I'm going to start to cry. <laughs> God, um, I think that your worth is not dependent on a man wanting you or not. Hmm. If you find happiness in a relationship, great. If you don't, that doesn't mean that you're living an unfulfilled life. That doesn't mean that you can't be happy. That doesn't mean that, you know, you don't, you don't deserve love. Like you deserve love and whatever form that comes to you in. And yeah, I, Mm -hmm. yeah. Hmm. So beautiful. So kind. Thank you, Abby. This is wonderful. How how can we connect with you online? Um, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at it's me underscore Abby E on both channels. Wonderful. Mm, thank you so much. We're so honored thank to have you. you today. Thank you both for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Not Tonight podcast. If today's story inspired you to take the next step in your own relationship, we invite you to join our online Patreon community. Go to nottonight.org slash Patreon to get started today. We also greatly appreciate your support by subscribing to future episodes and please leave our podcast a five-star review. Until next time, keep doing the work in your sex life, whatever that looks like for you.